I am a strong black woman, and I still believe in black love. Although I'm not just waiting around for love to find me, I believe in cultivating black love. As I've been saying, and I'm sure you guys already know, I really appreciate you guys making the time to do this because I feel that it's important for us to see, you know, more examples and representation of Black love in our community. And I really feel like what we're doing today is planting a seed for that to be, you know, more prevalent in the culture and that sort of thing. So that's the whole point of what today is about is like, and um, showing examples of what Black love look like looks like and I appreciate you guys making the time for that to happen. So with that said, I would like to go ahead and give you guys the opportunity to just introduce yourselves real briefly and then we'll go ahead and dive into the interview. Okay. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm Michael. I was born in Würzburg, Germany. My father was in the military. Um, uh, right after getting out of the military, um, we came to Miami. So I was raised here and I have for the siblings, I like sports. Okay. I'm a hardworking <laughs> man, that's it. <laughs> okay. All right, my name is Brittany. I am born and raised in Miami. I have never left here <laughs> and I'm ready to leave. Hey, um, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so I'm a Miami native, I've been here my whole life. And I am a mother of a five-year-old. I currently hold a position as a director in child welfare, where that's my heart, social work. I love giving back to the community, so. Nice, that's amazing, awesome, okay. Well, the first question that I have for both of you is how did you guys meet each other and um, share a little bit about maybe the first date and what attracted you guys to each other? <sighs> go ahead. <laughs> go first. Um, so I initially knew Grit because we worked together um, and at the time I had, we had like mutual coworkers and I used to vent to them a lot about my dating experiences and they they automatically thought of Brittany and they was like, we have the perfect girl for you. Um, but I think there's an issue. And they were saying that she was in a, like a relationship. So at the time um, she was in fact in a relationship. So we didn't really um, hit it off initially. She, um, I used to see her in passing but we didn't really know each other. So I started following her on the Facebook, you know, the typical norm now. <laughs> um, and then fast forward uh, about six years later, uh, as I was celebrating my birthday, she inboxed me. Well, not that she didn't inbox me, but she um, put a comment under one of my pictures with hard eyes. And I thought it was strange. So I was like, mm, so let me slide in her DMs. <laughs> So I slid in her DMs, sparked conversation. Um, that led to us going on the first date. Um, after, I think during the first date, it was a good vibe. Uh, Brittany was very quiet on the first date, which is not her normal person. But she was very um, reserved, which is what drew me to her. I was like, wow, like, you know, she's not like the typical girls I had dated in the past. So that, um, that stuck out to me. Um, I already had knew a lot about her, you know, based on our colleagues and um, mutual friends. So I knew a lot about her. But um, the first date, we hit it off well. I think the conversation was really good. Um, and then let her tell it at the end of the date, um, as I was driving her back, because we had carpool. Um, she says that, and I didn't know, it was randomly on my playlist, um, Blackstreet Boys, no, Blackstreet. Um, before I before I let you go, mm -hmm. Pat came on the radio, and you know at the song it goes, "Can I get a kiss goodnight?" So nice. Ended and and we just continued to you know stay in touch, and you know here we are. Mm -hmm. Nice. Okay, Brittany, anything you want to add to that? No, I think he he hit it on. I I think um, my takeaway from our first date that kind of kept me intrigued was um like he said we carpooled mm -hmm. so we met at a at a mutual location and when I got there 
um, I opened the car door and there was flowers, there was roses on the seat. So I'm like, okay, okay chivalry, <laughs> it still exists. So I was impressed by that. And then his car was super clean. He was very well groomed and he chose the restaurant. So I was like, all right, either he's trying to impress me or he's trying to impress me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so nice. It was, good. it was a good vibe. Our first date was cool. So the next thing that I wanted to ask you guys is, um, Brittany, you mentioned that um, you usually like to wait for, you know, the guys who made the first move. And when, you know, you guys went on your first date, you got, you know, the call, like the number and that sort of thing. So my question is, why do you feel it's important for men to make the first move? So I'm like, if you could recall from that time, like when you were single, like just getting started dating, I know a lot of women feel the same way as well. So what's the mentality behind that? Um, I, I'd say allowing, I let him make the first move because I wanted to see what his mindset was. You know, it, in the dating world, it's kind of tricky because we don't know if guys are playing games. We don't know if women are playing games nowadays, you yeah. know? So yeah. well, for me, um, I waited for him to make the first move because well, one, I knew he, he had been interested prior to, but also I feel it's important because you can kind of gauge where the that person's mindset is right so according to how they make the first move like mm -hmm. what are what are we doing you know are you are you insinuating that you want to take me on a date or do you want to talk just talk on the phone and facetime like what define first move yeah. or, or i'm defining his first move to see you know what type of person he really is so i can fill him out a little bit that makes sense thank you for breaking that down a little bit so that you know guys can understand you know where the mentality might be with that my do you have anything to add to that? Like why like a female might, you know, kind of be waiting for like maybe the guy to make first move or do you have any thoughts on that? No, she hit it spot on. Um, I feel that, like she says, you want to know the guy's attentions. You want to know if he's, you know, dating you with intentions of, you know, being serious or is it just, you know, a hangout thing, but you want to let him be able to make that first move and I guess set the tone of where yeah. this thing is going to head. Yeah, it sounds good to me. <laughs> okay, so the next question that I have for you guys is when did you know your spouse was going to be the person that you were going to marry? And um, I know that you guys are newlyweds about like four or five months in, right? Yes. Okay. So can you share a little bit about what it's like, you know, being newlyweds in that four months in? So when did you know that you guys are going to be, you know, the right person for each other? And then share a little bit about being four months in. Um, I'd say so. His consistency for me um, kind of put it over the top for me. He was very um, consistent, but not only that, our chemistry and our connection after our first date was, it was real. And I felt that after it was his birthday, we were like a couple months in, I want to say maybe nine or 10 months in, probably longer than that. Um, and he, I did, I did this whole plan this whole birthday thing for him I've never done before <laughs> um and it was a it was a game it was like a five senses game where I picked a gift for each you know sense and at the end of the night um the last one was like touch or something like that and I had all the gifts laid out or whatever and the the just as he was unwrapping and going through everything the smile on his face it it I felt like a little tingle. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, um, and that for me sparked that, okay, like they, we're in this for the long run. Cause I, I felt a feeling that I hadn't felt in a very, very long time. Um, and it's, and it's us, you know, COVID kind of put a damper on things with our whole entire wedding or whatever, but we still pursued and we still got recently married this year. Um, and being a newlywed has been, phenomenal i mean it's different for us because our we're just now living together and i have a daughter so it's it can be challenging him as a as a new stepfather um it's challenging however it's a it's a breath of fresh air to have someone in here that listens to you understands where you're coming from we're still on the honeymoon phase even though like I said COVID kind of put a damper in things so we're kind of like confined to the house and we yeah. try and find things for us to do but it's been so refreshing so far I I enjoy having him <laughs> <as a partner laughs> nice how about you Mike 
Um, I don't know about most guys, but for myself, you always categorize certain women and you place them in certain boxes. And um, going into the relationship with Brittany, I already knew she was wifey material based on, you know, you know, information and, and knowing a little bit about her character and, and just gauging her on social media. So going in, I already felt like she was wifey material. It was just basically to see how, you know, once we started dating, the chemistry was going to work out and if, seeing if we were compatible. So, you know, I think for me, there's a lot of things that um, stuck out, but um, one of the most important things happened um, when I used to visit, where well, I go to a church quite often to worship with them and just to see her connection with God and how she, um, she loves him and, and pretty much submit herself to him, I, that pretty much stood out for me. And I was like, wow, like if she can love God and she can allow him to use her, then our marriage is, you know, that's awesome. Going to be in a good place. So, <laughs> nice. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next question that I have is: You both decided to wait until marriage to move in and live together. So, can you share a little bit more about what made you decide to wait until marriage to move in, and would you do anything differently about that if you could go back? Go ahead. Um. Pretty much, we both had experiences with um, living with, you know, ex ex boyfriend and girlfriends in the past, and um, we just wanted to do it different. We wanted to do it the right way, you know, as far as you know our upbringing and just trying it different this time to see if we, you know we got better results. So that was one of the things that she mentioned to me, like in the beginning, that you know we're not gonna be moving in together if this thing continues to progress, you know, because I want to wait to marriage and, you know we pretty much stuck by that. And um, I think looking back, no, I would do it. The, I would do it the same way. Mm -hmm. I think that it, it really benefited us because, you know, it gave us that space to miss each other. But then, you know, I would always go over to her house. So we were also together. So I got to be able to gauge a little bit how she was as far as, you know, her home life and how she, you know, carried herself at home and little habits here and there. So no, I would do it all the same way okay. if I had to do it all over again. Okay. How about you, Brittany? Um, you, you said pretty much everything. I feel like uh, it was, uh, I, I made a promise to myself and to God that I wouldn't move in with anybody, oh. um, uh, another man until I actually got married. And so, like he said, I expressed that to him at the beginning and it was hard um, at first, but we spent a lot of time together. He would come down because um, he lived North and I lived South. So he would come down, spend a lot of quality time, um, and then transitioning into, you know, now living together, that has been, it, it's been different for us. So I, if I had to do it all over again, I definitely would um, do it the same way, only because it, it, it's like he said, it's very refreshing. And I feel like it kept our, our relationship uh, spunky. <laughs> for lack of better words. <laughs> um, we're always learning new things about each other. My friends thought I was crazy at one point because they're like, you don't know his habits. You don't know his ways. And people are always like, you know, it's best to, to live with somebody so you can actually see how they are. But I'm like, listen, he comes. He, we spend a lot of time together in our homes, our separate homes. I can see if he's dirty or clean. I can see what he likes and doesn't like enough for me to gauge if I can handle that, you know, if we were to move in together, so. Gotcha. I'm glad you brought that point, thank you. Can you touch on that a little bit more, either one of you, share a little bit more for like, you know, the skeptics and like you said, the girlfriends that might be like, hey, no, I need to be up in there, you know, 24 seven and see what it's like before, you know. <laughs> can you yeah. share a little bit more about like, um, maybe speaking to those fears and concerns of how like you approach that for both of you? Um, how did you approach addressing those, you know, maybe like, okay, not 100% sure of, you know, knowing what each other would be like. And then maybe if you're open to sharing a little bit more about some of the differences and changes that you guys are, you know, getting used to now that you guys are living together. Um, again, for me, I, I think when my friends would ask that, I'd just be open and say, I don't know. Like, that's the truth. I don't really know how, if he matches his socks or if he puts the toilet seat down. I don't know those minor things. However, I feel like if you hang out with a person long enough, um, spend a couple of days with them, we go on trips and, and things of that nature, um, you can kind of see how they react in a home environment. Um, 
whether their car or their, like I said, their own home or how they treat your home. Um, and he's a, he's also a big family man. So I saw the way that he interacted with his family, which is also something very important to me because what, what family dynamic are you bringing now into our home um, in the long run? So those are cer certain things that I kind of prayed for. And you just have to, t honestly, it's, if I'm being candid, I just took, you take a risk based on what you know, that you'll never, you won't know unless you live with that person. But the only thing you can do is take what you have um, and kind of go, go with it there. Um, you also, I'd say you would also have to be kind of open to communication. You really have to have somebody that's willing to talk to you through those things. Because if he, if we got married and he changed a little bit because he was just trying to impress me through those phases and he does something that you don't like, you know, in the home and it's a habit, he's used to doing it. I feel like communication has been our strong suit um, be, considering that we didn't live together. Um, there's a lot of, I feel like at the beginning when we first moved in, he had a very independent mindset um, but he is a selfless person, but he's so used to like getting up and doing things for himself. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, you're going to make two cups of coffee <laughs> this morning or are you going to make one? You know, so like little things like that. It's just, um, we just communicated about it. We, we just, we talked about it and it was just like, you know, we're here now. I understand. Let's get used to this because we're not used yeah. to being in each other's space. And that's just the way that we kind of tackled that. Nice. And plus you got COVID added on top of that too, so. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you got anything you'd like to add to that, Mike? No, basically everything she said was pretty much accurate, um, like okay. you said. Okay, and thank you for breaking that down a little bit more because, um, you know, I'm still in the single mind frame. And so I know a lot of people, that's like two of their biggest concerns is like, hey, I don't know everything of what I'm getting, you know, with the other person, you know, from both the male and female perspective. And then it's also the communication piece. Okay, you're right. You're absolutely not going to know. Even when you do get married, you know, there are things that you're still learning as you go along with this person. So that's right. where the communication comes into play. And I feel that a lot of people are kind of like, just like, okay, I need to have everything, you know, now <laughs> and know before jumping in. So thank you for breaking that down. Okay, so let's go ahead and go on to the next question. What would you say is the best part of being married and how do you guys balance each other? Because you guys mentioned a very interesting dynamic of where I guess like, you know, the saying opposites attract, so to speak. <laughs> so you guys seem like you have a little bit of that going on and you guys are making that work. So can you share a little bit about what's the best part of being married and how do you find balance and make your dynamic work? I would say that it's, um, it's very refreshing to be able to come home to like your best friend every day. Um, knowing that you're coming home to someone that has your best interest, that has your back, that's going to be there when you're up and down. Um, and just being able to have that family dynamic. Um, I think like we really balance each other's out like perfectly because she's like very fiery, passionate, and uh, she gets like the ball running. And I'm very passive, you know, um, a lot of times when she's on fire, or she's very passionate about something. I can be able to balance her out, balance her out, and um, have her to think from a different point of view, um, just to relax her at, at times, and uh, just to be able to assist her. I love the family dynamic that we have, and um, I think we're continuing to grow because we're very fresh into our marriage, so we're learning things about each other. But um, for the most part, it's been very refreshing, and I enjoy it. Nice, <laughs> Brittany. Um, just like you said, I think my favorite part is the pillow talk. <laughs> and that's, that comes with having the best friend at home. Um, just being able to um, engage in conversation and just hold a space where you can be yourself all the time. Um, not nobody, you know, judging you. I, I tell him all the time in my own personal walk, um, I had a lot of issues with self-image in my previous relationships. And he just all the time, the, the beautiful and the, you know, just uplifting affirmations. It's very refreshing to hear that from somebody that truly means it um, to the point where I'm just like looking in the mirror sometimes and I can finally accept my image for what I want to see and not to impress somebody else. And he did that. Mm -hmm. I owe that to him. So it's very heartwarming to, to kind of, um, just come home, like I said, and just be one with somebody. Um, 
we do balance each other out because I'm the talker. I'm the outgoing one. He's the more chill, laid back, um, but that, that introvert personality, that's him, you know, an extrovert over here. So we kind of balance, <laughs> we balance each other out. And it's, I, I tell him all the time, I'm like, you know, I'm very passionate about what I believe in. So regardless of if he believes me or agrees with me, he always plays devil's advocate. He always challenges me. And I love it because it gives me a new perspective on how to view things because not everybody views things the same way. Mm-hmm, so I can appreciate right. that as well. We just bring a healthy, a healthy balance into the relationship. Nice. Can you guys like share a little bit more as far as like giving each other like the different perspectives and how important that is in a relationship? Because um, you know, you have two individuals that are coming together as one and, you know, you're not raised in the same household or same environment necessarily. So you're going to have those two perspectives automatically. So can you share a little bit more about the importance of, you know, at least maybe being able to like share those perspectives and maybe agreeing to disagree, you know? Yeah, I think it's important because um, if you're always agreeing somewhere, you know, there's no growth because one person has to always agree you know um i feel like our differences we can always agree to disagree but that's how we know how to move next so if i know that he doesn't like something um or didn't like an outcome or something then i will try my best to steer away from that and same with him um i feel like we kind of work together and that's how we continue to build in our relationship and continue to grow so those different perspectives gives us a different outlook on life Mm-hmm. in general um and how we can kind of pursue the things that we want to pursue in life. i love that answer thank you <laughs> growth is important okay so the next question that i have is what would you say you struggle with as a couple or as an individual being married so maybe what are some of the hardest parts of being married in your own words whether it's an individual thing or as a couple thing and also can you take a little bit of time um, to talk about like some of the bumps in the roads that you guys may have experienced as newlyweds and what are the strategies that you have used to help like weather through those moments um let's see uh, just coming into the whole family dynamic I mean I have been single for a while so to come into a home where you know is probably expected of you to to play the father role to be the husband you know it was a, a challenge for me in the beginning because you know i'm used to doing things my way um being able to go uh, and come as i please and now being able or being expected to communicate and to have someone know your whereabouts and things like that and then she always even talks about it now like she's like you're a very private person Cause like, even now, like she doesn't have my passcode. <laughs> <laughs> she don't have access to my bank account and so, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's just being able to, to share that with someone after being single and, and, you know, guarding yourself for so long now to be able to change that mindset and, and mold. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I'm a work in progress, you know, I feel like I'm getting there daily. Nice. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's, that's probably been the biggest challenge for me. Um, to say. Okay. I'd, I'd say codependence for me. Um, I've always been very independent and trying to do things on my own. I was also a daddy's girl. So whenever I needed my tire changed or I got stuck somewhere, I would always call my dad. Um, and now it's just like, I still, <laughs> I catch myself because I'll still pick up the phone and call my dad. And Mike is sitting right in front of me looking at me like, I'm, why are you doing that? <laughs> So for me, that was the biggest change because it didn't matter what male I was dating at the time. I always went to dad or my brother. Um, So just codependence has been a struggle for me, depending on him um, to to help. And he's like, I can pay for this. I can do this. But I'm like, no, I got it. I can take out the trash. I'm like, no, I got it. You know, (laughs) Um, so that has been my struggle. I'd I'd say to kind of overcome these things um, would be. We, we, our biggest thing, like I said, is communication. We talk about every single thing. We really do. Um, right before we got married, I had a little black book and I wrote down about 10 questions and we switched and um, we, we wrote like 10 things I like about you, 10 things I hate about you, uh, non-negotiables, those type of things. And we went through it um, and it was very therapeutic for us. And it was, it was some sticky, tough conversations on when we came to the dislikes. Um, 
and we kind of put them in our show on our in our room so whenever we have a disagreement it's like we'll run back to the book and be like okay this is why we exchange vows we talked about this already you know so our biggest thing is to just communicate however we choose to do that um we sit down we don't argue i try not to raise my voice he tries not to raise his voice we sit down and try and have a healthy conversation not going to say that it's peaches and cream all the time because I can get a little loud <laughs> but you'll always remind me like we're just talking you know so and that's where nice. that balance comes back in so. nice all right you guys brought up some very interesting points that I would like to dive a little bit more into the first is where did the idea of the black book come from oh so that is something we when we went to marriage counseling they kind they talked about it mm -hmm. um and we came home, we had the conversation and I'm like, you know what, like, let's dig a little bit deeper and not do it face to face. Cause what if you can't face your spouse or your partner, you know, about certain things? I'm like, just write it down and we can read it separately. Cause some people that. had to write their emotions down, you yep. know? Yep. So we just took what, what we used in marriage counseling and I just applied it to, to another Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> I think that's a great idea and more people should definitely do that. Awesome. Okay, so, ooh, let me ask this then. So you mentioned marriage counseling as well. Is that something that you guys like made a decision to do? Like, did you do that before you got married or like right after? Like, how did that work out? Yeah, it was done before. Um, okay. We always wanted to, to get a little counseling before, you know, we okay. make this commitment to each other. So that decision was done before. And awesome. Yeah, I think more people could benefit from, you know, doing marriage counseling before just to like, you know, build up and set up, you know, for success, so to speak. Um, okay, so now I want to dive into some of the answers that you guys gave. <laughs> All right, so Mike, you first, you mentioned about, you know, being independent and needing a low time, alone time, and then having to adjust that. Can you share like from the man's perspective, um, how to like make that, how was making that mental adjustment for you so that, you know, you could be I guess, incorporate more of the family aspect of things, going from being single to being a family man? Yeah, I, I think being selfless is definitely like the most important part of it because I have to always think about her and our five-year-old. I have to always think about the family dynamic. So I'm um, adjusting my mind to that mode versus the single and being able to be independent and having my space. Um, it was... It's hard, but you know, I'm working on it and we're getting to a place where like, and what she said, communication is key. So sometimes when I am gone for a long period of time, she, you know, she doesn't bite her tongue with expressing to me that, you know, hey, look, you know, <laughs> we need you here. You know, you're, you're our family as well. And, you know, we, we want to be around you. Yeah. So just adjusting my mindset to that is probably like the most important um, awesome. approach towards it. Okay. Now, the other thing I have um, for you, Brittany, um, and I can definitely relate to the, you know, the codependency and all of that, I can relate. <laughs> so can you speak to um, single women more so that are, you know, used to relying on their dad, used to relying on the brother, kind of like having that independence, you know, and I don't need a man or I could do it myself. Like, you know, I got a man, but, you know, I don't want to put too much on him, kind of carrying that weight so much by yourself and then learning to like let go. Can you speak a little bit to like... Um, I guess adjusting from you know taking care of everything yourself and also you're so you were a single mom at one point so can you speak to like adjusting that mentality to you know incorporating you know okay i have a man i have a husband and he could do you know you know he's here to help me right um it was it was rough it was difficult um i'd say to just let them i learned that a lot of the times where i felt like i could do things on my own um it took a jab at his ego and one of the things that we can do to uplift our kings are to um, stroke their ego a little bit. Mm -hmm. So by letting go and allowing him slowly to do certain things like washing the dishes after I cook or taking out the trash or taking my car to get washed, um, those were things that I, I had to tell myself, okay, he's the man here not your dad. You're, you're not married to your dad. You're not married to your brother <laughs> or your best friend. That's a male. Um, you're married to Mike. So allow him to, to have, you know, take that opportunity to fulfill those things. Because at the end of the day, when he walks in and he 
you know, with the key in hand, like, babe, I just got your car washed. I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, it makes him feel good um, about something that he accomplished for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like the male, you know, they're always defined as that protective, that provider, that support um, in a family dynamic. And if we pull some of these things away from them, how can they fulfill those roles in the house? And that doesn't mean that you don't have to be 50-50, but a man in their mind, um, they have a certain role to fulfill, you know, with a family. So I, 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 I just evaluated a lot of those things and slowly but surely lifted my hand off of certain things. Nice. Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you both for sharing a little bit more and diving into that because I think it would help, you know, the single man and the single woman to understand certain aspects and, you know, making that transition. So good to know. Thank you. Okay, so what advice would you offer to Black singles that you wish you would have known sooner concerning marriage? So something about, you know, making it work, making it last, or to maybe like during engagement, like what are some advice you would give to single people about getting married that you wish you would have known sooner? I would say that um, this is basically if you're ready for it um, and you would know, it takes a lot of selflessness, you know, at times you feel like you're giving more than the partner is giving, but in reality, they feel the same way. So if you are going into it with the same mindset um, of being able to think about your partner before yourself, then I feel like you, you're at a place where you, you might be ready for marriage. Um, those are things that I think are strong suits for both of us. We're always thinking about each other. At times, it's almost like, they, you know, Brittany always put herself on the background at times. And I'm just like, wow, like you got to think about yourself, you know, because it's important to do things for yourself as well. You know, you know, it's very therapeutic in that sense. So I would think I would say to them as advice, um, just, you know, don't rush into it. Make sure you're ready. But definitely um, think about your partner and, and respect them. And yeah, that's what I would give them as advice. Okay, good job. Brittany? Um, same thing. I, I'd say don't rush into it. Um, don't pay attention to your biological clock. Take your time. Um, one of the things that I, I found during my season of singleness um, is self-love. You have to love yourself first before you can even pour into anybody else. You know, they tell you you can't pour from an empty cup. So I'd say fulfill that cup with self-love. That way, when you meet that person and you're ready for marriage, um, you can pour back into them as much as, you know, pouring into yourself as well. So just don't rush. Take your time. um, Really analyze the situation, because once you take that vow, that's it's for life, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and just go at go at your own pace. But make sure to find self-love first before you hop into anything Mm -hmm. that serious. Nice. I love both of your responses on that. And I actually have some notes. So with what you said, Mike, um, I really love what you said, because I wrote that like so many people get into marriage thinking that they're ready and, you know, to be giving and only focusing. I feel like a lot of people focus on the benefits it offers. Like, okay, I'm with someone now, or, you know, from a woman's perspective, we focus on like the wedding and all that other stuff, but we really don't understand, okay, for the long haul, this is about me serving, you know, someone else or being selfless to a certain degree. So um, could you speak a little bit more in depth on that? Um, Cause I feel like a lot of people, they don't understand what it means to be selfless um, when it comes to being in a you know relationship and being committed. So could you share a little bit more about that? And both of you, if you'd like to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a good example of that is is when you know she's having not such a, a good day, and um, you know women are very emotional human beings, and being able to, I guess, come from a male's perspective, you know, we're very tough, and you know a lot of things that go on with you guys we don't understand, but so when she's having a bad day, just coming home and being able to provide that support for her is very important. Um, and sometimes if you're selfish, you probably be like, oh, why is she in her feelings or, you know, she or like if you had a bad day and you're like, man, I'm <laughs> yeah, like, you know, <laughs> or, you know, she needs to get out of her feelings or you'll overcome that. But no, just, you know, doing something nice for her might just change the complexion of her day. Like she said, words of affirmation, just to reassure her that, you know, things are going to get better and that supports, you know, that she needs. And I feel like that's what helps. A lot. 
Awesome. All right. And so Brittany, I love also the point that you brought up with self-love <laughs> and a lot of people not focusing on that. Um, so actually I wrote, like, I want to read what you said because what you said was so on point. <laughs> you said um, to find or wait for the person that loves you unconditionally, that's infatuated with your mind, body, and spirit, and most importantly, being equally yoked. I would like you to get a little bit more into that, but I want to finish reading what you said. You said to stop letting society shape and mold your marriage. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses. Be true to you, love yourself first, because if you can't love yourself first, you can't give your love to someone else. You can't can't pour from an empty cup. So fill your cup with self-love. That way you can reciprocate and be a hundred with someone who gives the same amount of fulfillment. So that was like, wow. <laughs> I feel that, you know, so many people, especially women, we need to like hear that because we focus so much on the giving aspect and not so much of the, you know, okay, am I in a position to give, you know, all of what I'm giving? So can you share a little bit more about the equally yoked aspect. When you say equally yoked, do you mean, like what levels are we talking about? What do you mean by that? Um, for me, equally yoked means you all are on the same page, spiritually, um, physically, in terms of, well, I shouldn't say physically, I should say mentally. Um, in terms of your emotions and the way in which you engage with one another, you can't have someone that believes in one thing, you believe in another, and then it causes a whole bunch of disruption in your in your home. Um, I believe, you know, we t we, we're religious people. So for us, we look at the Bible aspect of things and being equally yoked and making sure that we both believe in God. We both practice the same, you know, Christianity. Um, prayer is, is big for us, but also the mentality that we are still, we're on the same wave in terms of our goals in life and how we want to build and what we want to pursue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like if you're not into the young and upcoming rapper, you know, um, and the party animal, or you don't like drinking, and then you get somebody that does that, mm -hmm. you're always going to have friction and conflict in your home. So just being equally um, on the same mindset, I guess, is is my definition of, of being equally. Okay. Yeah, I think that's important as well. Okay. Thank you. So in what ways do you feel that the Black community's experiences or struggles with marriage, love, family may or may not be unique in comparison to maybe another culture? Um, I'll start. For me, Black families, Black people in general have to go through so much. And I feel like a lot of the healing comes from love. And that's something that Black families just don't necessarily experience as much as they should. Um, I feel like in talking to a lot of Black families and being out in the fields, um, one of the things that they lacked in the home was love, or they had the tough love dynamic. And it's just so important to give that um, in terms of how do we thrive? You know, how do we, how do we thrive as, as Black individuals? So when we talk about Black marriage and Black relationships, um, I think the key component, it's very important to incorporate love always and unconditional love. And I say that because, you know, um, the world might not love us, but we have to love ourselves. Yeah, and when yeah. we love ourselves, it shows a lot of resilience. And when you carry that resilience, you bring it over into your marriage, into your relationship, and all you have left to do is kind of thrive. So I think the uh, healing and love is, is so important in the Black community. Awesome. And I love that response because that's what we're doing here. <laughs> nice. Okay, Mike. No, she hit it on the head. It's definitely the love aspect of it. Um, love conquers. Um, it always wins. Yeah, yeah. it always wins. <laughs> so um, being able to, to have that self-love, I mean, like you said, like you said a little bit before, how can you pour into somebody or love somebody when you don't love yourself? So, you know, I think that we need to implement that definitely in our in our households and being able to keep that family dynamic together. Cause you know, a lot of people get married, but then for whatever reason, as they grow and they grow apart and stuff, they don't wanna, you know, come back together. And I think in marriage counseling, one of the most important things that our counselor told us is always remember that the reason why you got married, but remember that it was founded on love. Hmm. So just to always keep that to the forefront, always remember why you fell in love with this person and to find your way back to that person. Cause you know, in the course of a marriage, you're gonna go through your highs and your lows, yeah. but you have to have that foundation. So 
I think that's key to Black marriages. Absolutely. Nowadays. I would like if you both could talk a little bit more. Um, I know, Brittany, you had mentioned that um, you were talking to some friends or family and that one of the men in that circle was like, hey, you know, I have a son and I want to, you know, give him tough love to prepare him for the world because the world, you know, as far as being a Black man, it's hard, it's not easy. And there's certain things that, you know, the Black man has to deal with in our society that, you know, he has to, you know, a father wants to prepare his son for. So can you guys, both of you speak to a little bit about tough love when it comes to raising, you know, a young Black man possibly, and um, some of the mentalities and some of the things that might be going through your head. Like if, you know, you had a Black son, like, how would you like, I guess, take that tough love notion? Would you apply it at all? Um, can you speak a little bit more to that? Um, I think tough love is important. I just think it's also important on how you implement that. Um, when I when I made that, that response in terms of talking to a friend about um, him giving tough love to his son, he was referring to a, um, a clip in Fences where Denzel Washington was saying something to the effect of, you know, go, I, I don't, I don't need to like you, you know, um, the world is not going to like you. So I kind of have to raise you to, for that. Um, at that particular moment, the son was looking for love from his father. I don't feel like it was okay to be like, I don't need to show you that. The world's not going to show you that because since the world is not showing us that, where can we find it? If you're not giving it to us at home, the world is not giving it to us outside. Right. Where is it that, you know, that we find it. And I understand that, you know, sometimes we want to build this, this exterior of being hard and strength and all these things, but black people have to, to already, they already feel like they have to wear strength as a badge of honor, but it's okay to kind of take that off sometimes. And, you know, we don't have to be strong all the time because society expects us to be, yeah. we can choose to be strong. So that to me, you know, if we have a have a son one day, implementing tough love in the home, I it's necessary because there are some things that you will have to face. However, it won't be overshadowed by actual affection in the home. Nice, got it. Mike, you got something you'd like to add? Yeah, I agree. I mean, with everything, um, balance is always good. So being able to, to implement that tough love aspect, but then also to show him that I do love him and to tell him that verbally, because I think we, we as men, we don't do that often. And I think a lot of times um, young men are looking for that, especially from older men that they respect and um, look up to. So yeah, definitely I will implement that in my home, but with balance, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Thank you. I think those are um, good responses because it is necessary. You know, I feel that like you said, Brittany, if it's not in the home and it's not out there, it's like, <laughs> where are you going to get it from? So it has to come from somewhere. I do agree with that. And also another point that you had mentioned, Brittany, that I liked was how um, love is healing. So like, you know, with a lot of the adversity that child, like children go through in the childhood, um, having love is a healing aspect or component of that as well. Yeah. The next question I have is, how do you feel um, any of your childhood experience any of your childhood experiences may or may not have impacted your adulthood and how you show up in your marriage? I think for me, um, I had a lot of ups and downs um, growing up with my parents and their relationships. Um, so for me, I always said that I was gonna do things differently. You know, I wasn't gonna have that, that home where we were raising our, our voice at each other or, you know, pretty much getting like arguments, I mean, you're gonna have your disagreements, but to take it to the extent where you're arguing and now you're shouting in front of your kids and stuff like that, I was just gonna do things differently. So I've been adamant about uh, um, apply, like applying that to my relationship. And every time we have a disagreement, you know, I try to bring myself down to be able to calm her down, to let her know like, look, this is just a conversation and, um, right you know, we're not hating each other. You know, I'm not your enemy. I'm here, your yep. partner. So, team. you know, we just have a different outlook. So being able to communicate effectively um, is what I'm trying to do differently than what I had in the home. Nice. Brittany? Um, for me, it's a little bit different. I came from a two-parent home who have been married now for 38, 39 years. So I watched my mom and dad raise just me and my brother. Um, they never argued. I can count on one hand how many times I saw an argument in the 31 years that I've been around them. And I think that was very important to me because 
every time I dated someone, I tried to find someone that was just like my father that treated, um, I watched the way he treated my mom and I watched the way my mom treat my dad. Um, so now that I'm married, uh, that definitely played a huge role on not only my marriage, but me as a mother. I try to be the nurturer as well as be my husband's confidant, you know, um, and mimic my mom and their relationship because it was just always peaches and cream. I know there was some hiccups, they never showed it. So I, I'm like, wow, you, you know, the black love exists. <laughs> That's all that I saw. So um, for me, that childhood experience definitely had an impact um, on molding who I was as a woman, as a mother, and as a wife. Nice. All right. <laughs> so Mike, real quick, I have a question on um, the mentality that you have when you approach, um, like, let's say that there's an argument or a disagreement. I love how you brought up, like, you know, this is a conversation and, you know, we're going to like, you know, keep it, try to keep it civil that manner. Could you like maybe share a little bit more about approaching things with that mentality? Because I think you mentioned also that you kind of see each thing as kind of like, you know, a test or like something to like, you know, get through, so to speak. So can you share a little bit more about having that mentality and then I guess like keeping it consistent so that you know it becomes like a habit? No, yeah, um, um, in my life of profession, I'm security. So a lot of uh, what we try to implement to like, I guess, uh, to bring a situation down is verbal judo. So knowing um, how to talk to different individuals or not talking at them or talking to them in a manner like you're the adult and you're the child, you know, and, and to be able to effect, effectively communicate, um, I would definitely, um, you know, apply that to our relationship. Because a lot of times, and even with her, she'd be like, it's not so much what you said, it's the tone that you said it in. Mm -hmm. And I might not even be conscious of that, but, you know, I have to be con like, you know, remind myself like, okay, maybe I did come off as aggressive or something. So being able to effectively communicate and to try to get like, you know, a good result from whatever the conversation is, is definitely something that is like my focal point. And um, Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I just want to um, pause real quick to let anyone out there know, um, are you guys opening to answering questions at the end, if anyone has any questions? Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, anyone out there, if you have any questions, you could drop it in the chat. Um, let me see if I could expand that real quickly so you could see it if you're like on a phone. I'm just gonna say, hey, if you have a question, please ask here. And so we'll save that until the end. If you do have a question, just drop it in the chat and then we'll let Brittany and Mike um, answer that when we get to that point in it, okay? Um, I think we're getting close to the end here. The next question that I had for you guys is, what do you love most about each other? <laughs> I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> no, I just love that Brittany is a very giving person. Um, she's always thinking of others before herself. Um, she's a beautiful soul inside and out. And a lot of times you don't really find people that have both of those dynamics, mm -hmm. but she has it. Um, her profession is social work and man you got to see her she goes hard nice. um, she's very passionate about kids and and what she does and she's passionate about everyone she's passionate about friends so to see that in someone you know I just fell in love with that so I love that that aspect about her nice Brittany um I'd say aside from so I just became a member of the fan club for the beard gang <laughs> because I didn't used to date people with a beard and I fell in love with his beard so that is number one on my list <laughs> don't cut it um but more on a serious note I I love that Mike is so calm um he's so calm he's so selfless he's very understanding um that's that's probably the key for me is that understanding component about him because he just when I tell you I can say anything and he tries to evaluate the situation a little bit more and talk about it um I I, I love that about him and I love that about our relationship because it makes me kind of expand and open my mind a little bit more to to actually hold these conversations so that and and also his his um his gestures, I'd say, because he always felt like he struggled with creativity. 
-hmm. in terms of like date night and gifts and but I want you to know you're doing a great job (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's just the simple gestures it's always super cute and I love it nice (laughs) that's awesome something that you had mentioned that I would like for you to talk a little bit more if you don't mind Brittany is um when it comes to I guess like the dynamic maybe the introvert and extrovert dynamic also is that Mike he's you said that you know like how he knows how to like you know I guess like keep like in check or like in line to a degree and can you speak a little bit more to that because I feel that um from a woman's standpoint I'm just going to say from my standpoint you know I think that we do want a man that is like that we do want a man that's going to be like okay yeah you know you know that's not okay or like you know just like say and I don't even know if that's what you meant but could you like share a little bit more about is that what you meant and like you know talk speak a little bit more to that for the lead yeah, yeah I think um you're right. Every woman does want that. And um, I was a little scared when we started dating because he was super nice. And like he said, he's very passive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he left out passive aggressive. He, <laughs> knows, he knows when to put his foot down in mm-hmm. terms of if he feels that I'm, I'm going too far off the ledge, he'll reel me back in. Um, mm-hmm. You always want a man that wears the pants in a relationship. Yes. And I think that's super important. And he has that. But I I, I say it's, um, it's refreshing because he allows me to be me. But like I said, when things get out of control, it's like, wait a minute, this is what we're not doing. Or this is where mm-hmm. we're going. This is how we're going to do this. Um, and that's definitely necessary in a relationship. And women, we like that. We, yes, we, like- we do. Way to go, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I love that you brought that up because yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't say that loud, but we do. <laughs> yeah. I also like how you said um there is nothing like a man that can mentally stimulate you. That's very true as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Good stuff. All right. <laughs> okay. The next question that I had was um, and I think this is the last question. Yep. So this is the last question. So if anyone out there, if you have any questions, I do see one, um, go ahead and drop those questions in the chat box because this is the last question and then we're going to get ready to wrap it up. Um, the last question that I have here for you guys is can you share your thoughts on relationships, dating and marriage today? So what are your thoughts? Um, from what I'm hearing, it's very difficult. Um, it's funny, we um, visit one of her friends not too long ago and they basically were saying, listen, I don't care what y'all have going on. Y'all better work it out because you got here. And uh, I'm finding that to be very common with, you know, a lot of single people that I, I talk to, which is very sad. But um, I would say that um, I think, I feel that um, people need a date with the purpose and um, a purpose to be able to get to the next level, which will be marriage. Um, and if you're in a relationship um, that's not working for you, you've been in it for a super long time and it's just not working out, then it's okay to let go and, and to find someone you know that is gonna benefit you, that you have that chemistry and that has that same uh, point of view that you have. Um, that's pretty much it about the dating. Okay. Sounds good, Brittany. <laughs> um, I, I'd say that I'd agree. I've heard that it's it's rough out there. Um, I feel like society uh, has painted a picture and social media has such an influence on the dating scene right now. Um, people don't go out as much as they, or, or meet people out um, because there's a lot of dating apps and online things, um, which is great, but I feel like trying to live to the expectation that society has painted has hindered relationships from growth. Trying to keep up with um, relationship goals or couple goals online um, has impacted things to the point where women um, seem to, or or women feel like they have to live up to a certain standard um, based off of what's implied on social media. And men, it's the same way, you know, so, I feel like uh, it's harder now um, from what I hear from my friends, everybody's, you know, playing games and all this other stuff. But I just have to say, take away double standards. Um, do what you do. Do what you feel is best for you. Don't let anybody judge you. Don't let anybody try and sculpt or mold you because 
when you get into that relationship, you're the real you is going to come out anyway. Yeah. So whatever facade you put on for that person, like that's why the dating scene is not working because you guys are out here putting on fronts. Yeah. And I tell no. my <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point, actually. I saw a little snippet on social media, I think just yesterday. I can't remember the name of the show, but pretty much exactly what you just said is what happened. Um, someone was asking something about like, I guess why men were afraid to get in relationships and commit. And the response was that, well, because women, like we go in with this like representation and then like we're, we're dating as the girlfriend, but then when we get the commitment, what we want, the girlfriend falls off. And then like, now here's the real me. <laughs> so I kind of feel like that's both ways though, you know, like the women, yeah. as a woman, I have that same, like, okay, am I meeting the representative or is this the real person that I'm like, yeah, you know? So I feel like you hit the nail on the head with that. There's a lot of like, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. But Mike, you said that your thoughts on relationship is that everyone is out for self gain as well. And that a lot of relationships could be successful if they consider their partners more than themselves. So getting back more to that selflessness and looking out for the other person and not just looking, you know, out for yourself. And um, I think, one of you may have touched on it a little bit more um, on that point. Um, I had that it was kind of crazy that when it comes to relationships, I completely agree that it's about being selfless. And I feel that a lot of people do not approach it with that mentality. And I think, Mike, you had mentioned, like, if the relationship is not working out for you, you know, over a long period of time, you know, it's okay to let it go. And I feel like a lot of people are not letting it go. <laughs> They're just staying in the relationship and it's like, okay, if you're not being, you know, like, if you don't care enough about the other person, love the other person enough, then like, why are we here? So yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's a little bit crazy and interesting yeah. in and of itself. <laughs> and then what you had said, Brittany, you mentioned um, genuine relationships are rare, connections and chemistry are real. And so when you find that someone, hold on to it, take that risk. And you said you should slide into those DMs. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> which I concur with. <laughs> yep. And so the million, the million dollar question that I wanted to ask and that both of you could jump in on is um, most women is have, have trying to verify, you know, what's genuine and what's real. A lot of women, they're trying to verify, like you said, Brittany earlier, okay, um, like, you know, is this real? you said something along that line. Um, so how would you suggest someone knows that it's real? And also if you could speak more to the letting go of the double standards and finding what you need versus what you want. That was another key point of what you said, Brittany, is um, let go of you know what you want in a relationship and like look for what you need in a relationship. So can you share a little bit, break that down a little bit more. What do you mean by, okay, I know that, you know, I know what I want, and maybe I have some idea of what I need. Like, do you feel like people may not necessarily have an idea of what they need and they just focus on what they want? Can you like break that down a little bit more? Yeah, so that's why I said it's important um, to do the self journey because in your self journey, you find out what you need or what, what you're lacking um, in terms of completing you as a whole. So when you find a partner, um, and he gives you something that you didn't necessarily have on your own, that's a completion of you. And I feel like um, it took me a while because I didn't, I didn't want to be alone. I always felt like I had to be in a relationship. But I, when I went through that self-journey, I was able to say, okay, I want this. I want this type of guy. I want him to do this. I want him to think this way or whatever. Um, and every guy that I ran into, he fulfilled that. But it wasn't what I needed because I, there was no real fulfillment it just was a satisfaction a temporary satisfaction is what it was wow so I feel like once you let go of those those certain things and really um just allowing that person to kind of step in show you them it'll it'll spark a little something in your mind like oh okay hold on I didn't think about that mm -hmm. and then later it becomes it turns into something that you actually needed because you see yourself getting better I feel like you have to, uh, we up, it's one thing to uplift one another, but it's another thing to actually build one another. When you start building character, that becomes something that you needed. And, and it's easy to kind of see the difference as it goes. Oh, I love that. So just to make sure that I understand, you're talking about like when it comes to the once, maybe like the superficial things, like checking a box and like, okay, he does this, he looks like this or whatever, versus like what you need as far as like when it comes to like building character and certain things that you may not have even considered or thought about. Right. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Mike, do you have anything you'd like to add to that? No, and um, 
also just getting away from that ideal of what you you think would be that perfect person for you because I think when you get to a place of um like she says where you you feel you know one with yourself you'll be able to recognize that this person has everything that you need mm. whether it's consistency um communicating or just you know whatever you need you'll be able to see that so you have to get to a place to where you you're good within yourself to be able to see that mm. You feel like when you get to that place within yourself that that's kind of like your, I guess, um, flashlight, so to speak, or like your radar for knowing what's real and what's genuine? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I feel like we come across so many type, different types of personalities and so many people feel like they can bring something to the table. But when the, when the table gets a little shaky, you know, where are those folks? Where yeah. are the people that said that they were going to be there for you, support you, or ride or dies is what they, they normally call them. They kind of back away. And then that's when you can realize, okay, this isn't what I needed. Um, this, is, this wasn't real. This was all of a facade and it wasn't genuine. Um, mm. You can kind of tell those things as time goes on. Yeah, oh, nice. All right, well, thank you for that. I'm going to go to the question in the chat box now. So the question is, do you guys have people close to you besides parents to get some relationship advice from? Yeah, um, I have a close friend um, that has been married for 11 years. Um, he's always giving me advice about things that him and his wife have shared. You know, they're very, um, they're Christians as well. So their spiritual walk and, you know, being able to apply some things that they did to our marriage that has been successful for them. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I also have people that have had like, you know, they call it, I guess, keeping it real um, advice about marriage, but you know, it could be seen in a negative light. Mm -hmm. However, like, you know, they're just basically bringing you up to speed to some things that you might, you know, experience that, you know, you're not blindsided by if you ever encounter it. So, I mean, there's always going to be people that, you know, especially at work when you tell them that, yo, I just got married, you know, and they're like, what, why would you do that? You know, <laughs> what's going to happen? And, you know, being able to, I guess, uh, dissect what they're saying and also knowing, okay, so this is where you made the mistake at, but this is where I, you know, I'm going to make a difference, you know? So it's, I have a couple, I have people in my, that give okay. me advice. Brittany? Um, I do. I have a couple of friends that have been married for some time now, but I, I want to make it um, a point that Mike and I, we may talk to other people, but it's best to keep people out of your relationship. So kind of seeking relationship advice um, is not something that we always turn to only because um, shared experiences are, are great. However, what worked for them might not necessarily work for you. Yeah. So like he said, dissecting, okay, you guys did this, but I know him and he's not going to like that. So I'm not going to even try that because it's going to make things worse. So seeking relationship advice from other people, uh, uh, we try to we tiptoe around that, but we do have people in our, in our lives, our, our friends and other family members that we kind of converse with in terms of like, nice. hey, we did this. What do you guys think? <laughs> nice. Thank you for sharing that. I do have one more question that I would like to ask because I know that it's come up um, in other um, channels as well as through some of the other couples that have submitted. Um, one of the things or key points that came up was parenting. So how does that work for you guys? How do you guys approach um, parenting? Parenting. Oh, boy, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> so, so my, my daughter's five, and he doesn't have any children. Well, now he has a, a stepdaughter. Um, that's a conversation that I will say that we should have talked more about. And I'll say this, because in my mind, it was like, you know, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Not knowing that we, neither one of us ever parented a five-year-old and she's going through her own changes so um it's been an interesting road to say the least um and I'll let Mike speak to how he feels about it but I feel I've given him the leeway you're you're her stepfather you know um you know how I parent you know how I discipline her um according to her age and if you're unsure about something talk to me about it first I think one thing that we 
made very clear is if he does something or says something to her that I don't like, um, it's, it's always good to have the conversation separate, not in front of the child. I will never say, why did you say that to her? Or why would you do that? No, it's, you did that. And then we'll talk later on like, hey, I think you could have did this differently because X, Y, and Z. So okay. we've okay. been kind of good about that. Okay, nice. Mike? Yes, also um, being able to have that consistency or carry on what she has already incorporated in as far as her parenting skills. Um, I'm not gonna do something that I feel um, is totally different from what she would do. So a lot of times, you know, I do converse with her just to find out, you know, hey, you know, she did this, how do you wanna approach this? Or, And then even with um, my relationship with her, um, I think like Brittany was saying, she's becoming attached to you. It's because, you know, I tried to have like that, that open door policy where she can come talk to me and right. feel comfortable with me but also know that, you know, I am her stepdad and that she has to respect me. And, and you know, mm-hmm. I think it's been a challenge, but in, in everything in life is a challenge and yeah. it's a learning experience. So right. absolutely. Doing well. absolutely. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. I see uh, Tori. Hi, Tori is out there. She says beautiful couple. So and I agree. <laughs> um, that's all that I have um, right now as far as questions from the chat. And I think that that pretty much concludes the interview. So I do want to thank you guys again for your time. I really see this as like, you know, planting seeds. Having these conversations is so important, you know, for our community um, to have and hear and learn and grow. That's what this is all about. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time, making the time today um, to have this conversation with me and to share with the community. So thank you. All right, you guys have a great rest of the day and I'm sure I'll be in touch. Thank Bye-bye. you. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.